0: Let's go in our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3. We'll begin in verse 13. As you're turning there, I would let you know that we are going to have a Christmas Eve service here on Saturday night at 7 o'clock. Now, I just want to let you know uh, that next Sunday is, y'all know, right? Christmas. So what that means is that everything is legal. Here's what I mean. This is probably going to be our greatest opportunity all year long to have people come to church that normally wouldn't to hear the gospel that they normally wouldn't. Are y'all tracking with me on this? Families are together. That means that you can use, it is biblically justifiable to use any type of coercion that you need to use to say, but it's Christmas Right? When they say, I don't want to go to church. You do whatever you need to do and get them here. We're not going to have Sunday school, it's going to be just an 11 o'clock service. We're going to sing. My sister-in-law will be here. She's awesome. can blast, I mean, the roof off. Incredible singer. She'll be here for the Christmas Eve and the Christmas service. It's going to be awesome. And I'm just going to share the gospel, plain out and simple, because often people don't want to come to church who are unbelievers, but this is a great time because the family's all together. So we all have a job to do. Amen? All right? So, so that means from now, and you may have been already working on this now until next week. Week, you say, Well, I'm not, we're not going to be in town. Go to church somewhere, wherever you are, wherever they preach the gospel, and it is an incredible, incredible opportunity. And um, it's, it's going to be good. So, this is the final message in our, our message in our sermon series on giving. And you notice the title of this is The Whistle in the Nations. What in the world are we talking about? Well, our great county, Franklin County, uh, we've got a great man in Virginia history and American history named Benjamin Franklin, author of Poor Richard's Almanac and one of probably the wisest men to have ever lived on American soil. And Ben Franklin tells the story about when he was a kid, around seven years old, he went into town and he says that my pockets were filled with coppers, or like coins, And he went and he saw everything that the merchants were selling and something caught his eye and it, well, it's not like this, but it was a whistle. Okay. This is what you want to have in case you're lost in the woods so people can know where you're dying. Right. So he saw this whistle and he was just attracted to it and he went up to the merchant and the merchant told him how much it was and just being a kid, he gave Everything he had, and he paid four times too much for it. When he came home, his brothers and sisters asked him, they said, how much did you pay for the whistle? And he told them. And they began to laugh at him and make fun of him. And he said that he cried and he cried and he cried because he realized that he had wasted his money on a whistle. Then he says this, and I quote, When I met a man of pleasure sacrificing every laudable improvement of the mind or of his fortune or mere body sensations and ruining his health in their pursuit. Mistaken man, said I. You are providing pain for yourself instead of pleasure. You give too much for the whistle. Talking about those who go down the lifestyle of the party road. He also says if I see one fond of appearance or fine clothes... Fine houses, fine furniture, fine equipment, all above his fortune, which means you go into debt for stuff you don't need, for which he has contracted debts and ends his career in a prison. Alas, says I, don't you you love the way they used to write? Now it's like, hi, my name is Bob. You know, alas, says I, he has paid a dear, very dear price for the whistle. Then Franklin says this, In short, I conceive that great part of the miseries of mankind are brought upon them by the false estimates they have made of the value of things by giving too much for their whistles. Have you ever bought a whistle? Maybe, maybe it was... Something that you live in, right? You lived in the whistle. Or you drove the whistle. Or you wore the whistle. Or you watched the whistle. And then after a while, you realized that because it was more than you could afford, now you can't even enjoy what you bought because you're worrying about how am I going to pay for what I bought? Is there anybody else in the house this morning that's ever been there? Right? Made difficult financial moves. It's kind of like we've got some... Um, Actually, these two books will help you. I'm going to show these to you here in just a minute. But we've has anybody received any ads this past month? Okay. Now, we've got from an unnamed distributor here, we've got laptops, we have TVs. You can get a 55-inch LED, 60-inch plasma, 73-inch DLP. I don't know what that is. But you pay only $99 a month. I mean, can't we swing that? Come on now, you cheapskates. 99 bucks a month. You can watch something for $99 a month. And the way that it normally works is, you know, we have a new TV or new furniture, but it costs far more than it's worth in the long run per month. I wrote this down so I wouldn't forget it. Uh, It costs far more than you should spend on depreciating items per month. And then think of, you know, a brand new car. I mean, wouldn't we all like to have that? Never mind, I'm in Franklin County. A brand new truck. Y'all with me? Okay. All right. The big one, right? Mud package and lift and all that stuff. But it's normally how much per month? A lot of times it's more than we can afford and then a year or two years down the road, when the per month, per month, per month, per month all come at the end of the month, and then our check comes at the first of the month, and we don't see how it's going to match up, that's when we experience financial stress. And in fact, this is a well-known fact that the number one cause of stress and marriage, problems in marriage, is because of finances. So the first week in our series, we looked at the fact that God is absolutely sovereign. God is in control of everything. Remember, there was the birds, Jesus said. God took care of them. God took care of the flowers. And what's in between? You and me. So Jesus is saying, if God can take care of birds and if he can clothe flowers, he can take care of you. And we look through all of this series, different aspects of what we should pursue. And, and the undergirding is that the reason why we want to achieve, um, I guess we could say financial freedom, is not so that we could be free to go on vacation anywhere we want to, or buy anything we want to, or or, or have anything like that, but so that we would, in fact... Uh, I think that we have a bulletin around here somewhere. It's in your bulletin. I'm just going to go ahead and read it with you uh, here. The driving thought. If you got a bulletin, you should have received one when you came in. I want, to, I want us to get this because we're going to actually talk about getting out of debt and making money. And if we miss the driving thought, it's going to seem like, well, I go to church and I can come away with good financial principles and get more from me. That's not it. Here's the driving thought. Financial freedom is necessary to fulfill our purpose In taking the Gospel into all the world and making disciples from every people group on the planet. That means that in order for us to really follow Jesus in number one, giving so that the Gospel can go to lost areas in the world, and secondly, for us to actually go as well, we've got to be able to actually pay the bills. Amen? You ever been in that type of situation where you have one of these things? It's the Lottie Moon Christmas offering for international missions. Getting the gospel into the darkest regions around the world. And we look at that and we say, I believe in that. I want to give to that. But I don't even, I think I'm just going to be able to make the minimum payment on my credit card this month. So how do I swing that? We're going to look at principles from the Bible. Number one, if you are a student, if you are a younger person that has less experience in being dumb, If you follow what the Bible says, this does not come from Jeffology. We're going to look straight from the book of Proverbs. If you do this, unless it all hits the fan and everything comes down, the, the currency goes out. And by the way, it doesn't matter then anyway, right? You just need a Bible a good pack, a good supply of 22 long rifle that you can use for trading, and you need a lot of water and some beans. I mean, I don't know. Talk to the survivalists. They'll hook you up. But we're talking about in a normal type of world, our economy, even in one that's sluggish or even a recession, you will be able to come out of debt. You will not have debt for depreciating items. And furthermore, you'll be able to save so that you'll be able to support your family. And greatest of all, you'll be in the place to where if God says I want you to go on the short term trip to wherever, whatever their country is, you can actually go and be able to come back and your house won't be foreclosed on. So that's what we're going to look at. You say, well, Jeff, I've had a lot of experience in being dumb and I am young or I am middle age or that word that we never really want to classify old. All right. How do I all of it's going to fit? It just depends upon where we fit in, um, in the scenario here. And some people say, "Now hold on, Jeff. You know, you're going down that fundamentalist trail again. You know, you're telling me Bible says and it's true and all that. In the end, isn't life just a bunch of whistles anyway? I mean, don't we just come this way once? You know, yeah, I guess it makes sense not to have your house foreclosed on and you're being thrown out onto the street. But I mean, are you saying that that I should really not get anything at all for myself? No, that's not what we're saying. And in fact, if you follow the principles from Proverbs, you will be able to buy stuff for yourself with cash. But if it meant not being able to buy the things that so many of us are attached to, if it meant that Jesus comes to you and says, you know what, I don't want you to buy any more things for yourself because you already have more than you need. If it came to that, will we still be in with Jesus? Once again, we're not saying that you can ever buy anything for yourself. But if that's what God told us to do, then would we still be willing to follow Christ? In fact, you know, the people say, well, man, we, we just come this way once. I live once. It's my money. It's not your money. Y'all okay? It's not my money. This is not my church. It's not your church. It's not our church. It's his church. Amen? Okay? So the whole mentality that it's my life, we only live once, do it big or don't do it at all, that whole mentality is exactly what Jesus blasted away at in Matthew chapter 6 when Jesus says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these what, church? These things will be added unto you. So if we reverse what culture tells us to do, number one, we will come eventually out of the hole and God's going to provide for us so that we can give to people who need and that we can glorify God. Amen? It's awesome, awesome stuff. Uh, There's a quote from Kurt Willems that I want to read you. And it struck me this past week. He says, what frustrates me is when I see Christians complaining about how, quote, secular culture reduces Christmas to one of many, quote, holidays. And yet they continue to spend more money on Christmas decor than on the concerns of the poor. That's a scary fact, isn't it? But I don't know if you've watched the uh, news lately, but there's there's movements around the country um, having to do with the rich, uh, the ninety nine percent. Occupy Wall Street. In fact, last Sunday morning, I don't know who did it. Um, I don't know if it's a joke. We had we had something taped onto the front of the church and uh, said invited so that we should participate in Occupy Franklin County. I didn't know that there was an Occupy Franklin County. That'd be you know. I don't know if it's anyway. It's very strange. I did not make the meeting, but I want to just take a couple of minutes before we jump into the text, Proverbs chapter three verse thirteen, and explain basic economics because I can't watch the news because. It makes me go insane. There is an absolute lack in, in many politicians on both sides of the aisle on the way an economy actually works. If you're taking notes, I would, I would encourage you to buy and read every single of the 500... You said, I'm not, seriously, read it. Over 500 pages, Basic Economics by Thomas Sowell. It's an incredible book that shows how it exactly works. So what we have right now in the country, if you've noticed in the news, is it seems like there's this anger against the so-called rich. Um, You remember from school, if you you took any type of a literature or philosophy class, you read through Karl Marx's um, The Communist Manifesto. This is textbook Marxism. You say, what in the world is that? Here's what you do if you want to divide and destroy a country. You pit the tribes against each other. Y'all following this? You try to get this group mad at what this group has. And if you can empower this group to take what the other person has, then you can empower them. It is nothing more. And by the way, it isn't, isn't the goal of the country and the leaders to unify the country. To be for the U.S., not for certain segments. And we see a lot of that today. You say, now Jeff, what is class warfare? It is pitting different groups against one another. And that's what you hear from a lot of politicians today. Senator so Jeff, how should we understand as Christians what's going on with the economy? Well, there are three things that our Constitution outlines that are actually from the Bible. That we have uh, the life, liberty, and we it says the pursuit of happiness, but you could also understand that as property. Whenever the government gets to the point to where it tells you that you make too much money, that means that the government now can control your life. Are y'all okay? And here's the thing. Let's say that you're a millionaire. If you played by the book and played by the rules, it does not bother me that you're a millionaire. If it does, do you know who the problem with greed is? It's my problem. If I I cannot stand that you have a bigger car than me, then you may be materialistic, but who's the one who's really got the heart issue? It's me. Say, well, who's the greedy ones? The rich or the poor? The poor. It can be both. The rich can be materialistic in what they have and what they want, and the poor can be materialistic in what they want from the rich. But once again, most every single one of us are rich by the world's standards. That's why we have a whole movement of a lot of people my age that say that they deserve something. It's called entitlement. And there's one way to answer that. And um, when you have a person who has not worked and applied themselves to want something what someone else has worked for and has applied themselves for, you take your tongue and you put it on the roof of your mouth and you exhale from your stomach and it sounds like this. No! Jeff, man, that that sounds very harsh. No, no, no. I'm going to clarify this in a minute. That Christians should be the number one givers to those in need, but nowhere in the Constitution or the Bible does it say that we have any right to walk up to someone who may be more financially successful than us and say, I want to hold you upside down and shake out every last penny from you because you're one of the so-called rich. He or she's an American. I'm an American. You're an American. Isn't it time that we work together and stop trying to divide the camp and destroy from within? Because that's exactly what's going on in our country. And in fact, Karl Marx advocated that this happen by violent revolution. Which means that the quote unquote, the poor rise up and kill and take from the rich. But most people in the Western world have learned that that's not really a good world to go down. So what happens is, and this is, this is common knowledge, what communism goes into is socialism, which is the taking of from those who are more successful to give to those who are less. In fact, Karl Marx used this phrase, from each according to his ability to each according to his need. Now that's not bad, is it? Like, I don't know, you're going to give me a catch-22 here, preacher? We're going to think at Rocky Mount Baptist Church, okay? We'll not come in and just give you fluff. We're going to have to think about this because you are confronted with it every time you pick up a newspaper, check the news on your iPhone, watch the TV. Karl Marx said, from each according to his ability, to each according to his need. Now in theory, that's not a bad idea. In fact, that's a good idea. But there's a dirty little secret and it's called the sin nature. The sin nature is such that after a while, most of us, if we realize that we can get something for not doing something, then after a while, we're not going to do anything. You can look at any socialist or communist country. Once they realize people after a while that if I sit back and I don't have to be productive, but I'll still get stuff, then what happens is after a while the whole productivity goes down and the whole thing tears apart when the system breaks down. And that's exactly what we see in our government in many, many uh, places today. People say, now hold on, well, do, do Jeff, what about the poor? Christians give to the poor. But one of the ways that you help the poor is that you don't penalize those who are successful. You loosen the gates to allow everybody to be financially successful. It simply works. Let me give you four ways. Uh, this goes back to the 1980s. is even Further past that, this is how we get out. You you can send this to Congress, send it to President Obama, and tell them that your pastor said it, and maybe they'll listen. Okay, Here are four principles on what needs to happen in the U.S. right now. Number one, sound money. That means that when the Fed is printing money like it's going out of style, it keeps us from sliding into further recession because there's more cash, but the cash that you and I have slowly gets to be valued less. You have to tighten it off. Number two, you have to deregulate some things to allow businesses to actually proper, uh, prosper. Number three, you have to have modest tax rates. Right now in the country, there actually, it's actually one of my friends um, who teaches at college. He says, you know what, Jeff? I could teach for this other college on the side, but my wife works as well. And with what we would be making, I'm not going to do the extra work because half of every dollar that I would earn between state taxes and federal and all of this stuff would go to the government. Right now, our tax code penalizes you if you are productive. You say, Jeff, but what about the rich? They can spare it. At what point do we allow the government to tell people that you're too successful? Number four, controlled government spending. Once again, the way that we deal with this is you put your tongue on the top of your mouth and you breathe out and you say no. Senator Jeff, you're talking about building, making money, being rich, and with the gospel. How do we understand that with the gospel? I thought that Jesus told us that we were to be able to give. Let me give you a John Wesley quote, and i would encourage you to write this down. Wesley said this, Make all you can, save all you can, give all you can. Isn't that good? Let me get it one more time. Wesley said, Make all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. What we're going to look at today is not for personal wealth creation so that we can gain security from our money, but so that we would be able to, as Paul says, to give to those in need and to be able to give so that the gospel can go and be able to be where we can actually go and do that as well. So our driving thought, once again, is that financial freedom is necessary to fulfill our purpose in taking the gospel into all the world and making disciples from every people group on the planet. So let's let's blast through this. There are six reasons why often we get into financial trouble. We're going to look at what they are so we don't have to repeat them if we're in them right now. Number one, failure to rely upon God's wisdom versus the world's wisdom. Uh, There is the the promise in the book of Proverbs of chapter 3. Let's read it. Chapter 3, verse 13. The Bible says, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom, the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver, and her profit better than what? Gold, She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. Verse 16. Long life is in her right hand and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. And notice verse 19. The Lord by wisdom... Founded the earth. By understanding, He established the heavens. By His knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. And then in verse 21, the Father to the Son. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So the Bible tells us that That God's wisdom is what enables us to navigate, uh, which I guess we could say, like the booby traps or the minefields of financial catastrophe. Let me give you a a, a verse here Um, Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 6, Proverbs chapter 8, verses 10 and 11, Proverbs chapter 8, verses 33 through 36. Also in Proverbs chapter 20, verses 3 and 4, the Bible says, By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. In fact, wisdom has everything to do with hope. In Proverbs chapter 26, verse 12, the Bible says, Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? You ever known anybody and you can't tell them anything? They just got it all together? The Bible says there is more hope for a fool than for him. Wisdom and arrogance, Proverbs chapter twenty eight, verse twenty six. Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. So that means that when we when we walk with wisdom, God will deliver. It's awesome. Uh, also Proverbs chapter twenty three, verses nineteen through twenty one. The Bible says, Hear my son and be wise, and direct your heart in the way. Be not among drunkards or among gluttonous eaters of meat. Modern day would be parting. Verse 21, for the drunkard and the gluttons will come to poverty and slumber will clothe them with rags. Which means that if we're in bad financial situations, uh, often, here's the thing, when you go out to Applebee's, look at how much it costs to purchase alcohol. I think for the price alone, that should hold us back. That's going to be very dangerous here. If church members in America gave half as much to missions as they did to liquor, I think that we would reach every person on the planet. No doubt. No doubt. Got to Applebee's. A beer's, what, five bucks? Some are like, no, it's. Like, i got it. all right. Proverbs 29 3. He who loves wisdom makes his father glad, but a companion of prostitutes squanders his wealth. Guys, if you chase hoochie mamas, you will be poor. That's what it says. It sounds like you're making. No, no. We're going to leave some verses in just a few moments that, that speak of the blessing of being poor because it teaches us to be humble in God's sight. But what the Proverbs is speaking of is become, becoming unnecessarily broke. Number two, bankruptcy and marital problems due to financial stress often arise from failure to understand that security comes from God, not possessions. This is exactly Matthew chapter 6, verses 25-33. through 33, The myth of financial security. In fact, um, I'm going to leave these books up here. I would encourage you to buy these and read them. This is from good old Dave Ramsey. How many of you guys ever listen to Dave Ramsey's show where he calls people stupid and tells them to sell their car? You know, and like, why would you ever do that? It's great. It's great. So, um, this is a book called Financial Peace. It's from the Bible. He uses biblical principles. If you're in debt, man, get this book. Um, It is awesome. It is awesome. And if you're struggling, you say, Jeff, will God actually bless me if I give? There's a little bitty book. So you're like, all right, that's more my style, right? Little book. Uh, Fields of Gold by Andy Stanley. Phenomenal, phenomenal. Story after story. Real life of how God blesses people who give above and beyond the average. So the Bible is very, very clear um, that financial security is something that we only have when we're our security is rooted in God and not what we have. Number three, uh, bankruptcy and marital problems often arise from failure to understand that finances are a heart issue. It's a heart issue. It's a worship issue. Giving reflects your heart. Number four, often happens marital problems, bankruptcy issues from number four failure to understand that debt is slavery. Proverbs twenty two seven the Bible says the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is the slave of the lender. Now, our culture does not say that debt is bad. You ever been on the Internet? The debt clock for the U.S. national debt? It's somewhat entertaining, but then it becomes very depressing. Culture says that debt is normal. We normally think in terms of monthly payments, don't we? We say, how much does that cost? And they say, let me hide the business so that I don't... $99 a month. But that's not how much it is. That's how much you're being violated for every month. Readjusting our thinking, in the Bible, debt is not normal. Especially for depreciated items. You're like, well, what about a house? That's one thing. Maybe you are making an investment, but often what we do is we... Vi- we, we push Proverbs to the side and we're like, dude, I want that. And we get that, we end up in problems. Number six, uh, failure to evaluate financial decisions based upon your calling. Often we just, we just get things because we want instead of saying, okay, what can I do with this money? Why do I have money at all? Why did God give me a job? And it's so that we can help those who are in need and get the gospel around the world. That's why. Um, Luke chapter 16, verses 1 through 12. I'd encourage you to write that down. Check it out later. Jesus tells a story about this shady manager, right? The boss comes in and tells the manager, you're going to be fired. Guess what the manager does? He goes and calls all the guys who have accounts with the big boss and tells them to basically cut their accounts in half. Well, that's shady, isn't it? you are like shady shades in the Bible. And then Jesus, it's almost like Jesus is saying this guy did a good job. But then Jesus says um, in verse number 9 of Luke chapter 16, and I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. You know what Jesus is talking about? Jesus is saying that when you have money, any money, use it in the best way to get people to heaven. So he's saying eternal dwellings. Jesus is saying give in such a way that the gospel can go and give in such a way that people realize that Jesus is Lord. That's why we have money at all. So four principles on how to get out of debt. Y'all ready for this? This is good stuff from the word. Number one, this sounds so simple, but it's awesome. Commit to read through the book of Proverbs monthly and obey what you read. Man, I have Guys, we have literally pages and pages of notes I've done in preparation for this message. I will hopefully get them on the website sometime this week. It's not the normal sermon outline. On gold from Proverbs. In fact, if you're a business person in here, or if you're, you're looking to invest money, if you just follow, if you read and do what Proverbs says, even if you're not saved, your business cannot help but prosper. It's awesome. Read through the book of Proverbs. Proverbs. Um, there's so much here. We're going to have to have to go over a little bit of it. It speaks of um, if you're here and you've been toying around with the idea of an affair. Let me give you a, a word from Proverbs chapter seven verse twenty-one. And I'm not and by the way, that, that, that's not given in humor at all. I know in any church in any size often things are thrown at men and women at work. This is what the Bible says, Proverbs 721. With much seductive speech she persuades him, and with her smooth talk she compels him. All at once he follows her, and as an ox goes to the slaughter. Guys, she may look good, but she has a meat cleaver in her heart for you or as a stag that is caught fast, till an arrow pierces its liver, and as a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know that it will cost him his life. Proverbs says that adultery will reduce you to a loaf of bread. And we need to look no further than to see many of the shattered marriages that have come as a result of someone has cheated on someone and the lawyers get the bank account. Number two, the way that you get out of debt. Begin to give at least 10% of the gospel work in your local church and around the world. That's how you do it. You begin to give. Saying, Jeff, that kind of sounds like legalism. No, I'm saying that's a good place to start. Amen, church? Okay? And remember how we looked at last week about how God in His essence and nature gives? So if I give, I'm reflecting the essence of my nature and I'm gaining joy through that. Number three, give to the needs of the poor. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 13 says, Whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. Proverbs chapter twenty-two, verse nine, Whoever has a bountiful or a generous eye will be blessed, for he shares his bread with the poor. Proverbs 19, 17 Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. One of the greatest things that you can ever do to get out of debt is when you find somebody who's needy, you give to them. Now hold on, Jeff. I thought that, that, that we're supposed I'm supposed to save. Remember last week we looked at he who waters will be watered? It goes totally against the financial principles of the world, but it works because God says that He will reward you when you give to the poor. Number one, reject slothfulness, which is lazy on steroids, temporal values, which means my life is about my stuff, and supercharged diligence. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 15 says, Slothfulness cast into a deep sleep, and an idle person will suffer hunger. Proverbs says in the in chapter 6, to go to the ant, you sluggard. You ever noticed an ant? I've never seen an ant taking a break. And I know this may be somewhat generational, but I know a lot of guys my age, man, you know, like they'll work a part time job, and you're like, bro, I gotta take I gotta take some time off. It's like work. You're not tired. You bereaved for eight hours a week. You are not tired. And often, that can swing to being a workaholic. You say, Jeff, how do I find the balance? If you're a dude, talk to your wife. She will help you with that. The Bible says that if you work, let me give you another one. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 20. A faithful man will abound with blessings, but whoever hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. You're not anybody, they want to get rich. Boom. Man, I, I talked to a guy, I didn't talk to this guy, I was talking to a man uh, in a, um, gas station a couple of weeks ago, and there was this guy who, who came in uh, with his wife and his kids, and um, bought three lottery tickets for twenty dollars each. And I know that you can never tell a person's financial ability, but but so, from the way that they look, I'm not saying that. But sometimes you can you can tell that people possibly need some financial help. Okay, one way. <clears throat> I don't, this can go on record. A lottery is, it's sin because it's a tax on the poor. That's exactly what it is. Most of the people who play it don't need to play it. And what happens often is they spend money that they don't need to spend. And so I would encourage you not to support it at all. It's not funny, it's not a joke, it's getting money at other people's expense. Y'all okay? No? All right. Let me give you another one Um, Proverbs chapter. This is fun. Proverbs chapter 6 says, Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in the summer and gathers her food in harvest. That means get up and go to work. Right? Sometimes, well, you know, he, he's, been, he's, 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 had a, he's had a tough weekend. I'm like, he's 35 and he's still living in your basement. Tell him to get up and go to work. It bothers me, man, because I have friends in other countries that are working and working and working, but they get violated by their governments. Like 60% in Brazil for an income tax. That's just the income tax. There are places in the world you can work your tail off. You can work 90 hours a week, but you will not get much take-home because the governments are so corrupt. And we've got a lot of people my generation who feel like they're entitled and they don't want to go to work, you have every biblical justifiable right, you're not being rude to say, go to work. Amen, church? Alright, work never hurt anybody and it would do a lot of guys some good say, so go, go, go to work. So, here's how we work this out. Practicality of Proverbs. You see now Jeff, I've got bills. Well, I've got there in, um, in our bulletin a few things that we need to reevaluate. Number one would be cable, cell phone, and data plans. Um, this depends on on your take home, but if you're struggling, if you're in debt and you're trying to pay off credit cards, I would encourage you to reevaluate whether you actually need cable. And I'm not doing this to be funny. I'm just saying, there's a way our culture, our culture says you have to have it, right? You have to have the cable. You've got to have 900 minutes. You've got to have the thirty dollar a month data plan. No, we don't. Okay. So in order to get out of debt, I would encourage you to reevaluate that. Possibly cut it out. You can get a track phone from Walmart for 45 bucks. Talk all you want for a month. Number two, uh, car payments. Car payments kill us. You don't have to say amen. Car payments kill families. I would encourage you to to access DaveRamsey.com. Often the best thing to do would be to sell it and buy you a clunker. We've got great mechanics in the church. Keep it running. Because what's the purpose of a car? It's not to show everybody how much debt we can get into. Amen? Amen? Because that's what it is a lot of times. Man, that is an awesome car. Bro, 90%, they don't own the car. Right? And sometimes in two years, it's going back to the people that they borrowed it from. Do not be dissuaded. Do not be uh, deceived into thinking that you are worth what you drive. We are not. We are worth something because Christ has us. You can drive a piece of junk, but it doesn't mean that you're any less. And I will say, if you're a believer and you fall into the lie of materialism, what happens is we end up giving interest money that should be missions money. Doesn't matter what you drive, as long as it's safe for you and your family. Number number three. This is about to be very therapeutic for some of y'all. Y'all know where this is going. Somebody tell me what number three is. Do plastic surgery and cut that mother up. Alright? You take a pair of scissors and you take what has put you in the hole for years and years and years. And in fact, um, actually let me let me read to you this. This is scary. I actually passed over it um, when we first started this message because it was too scary. But I'm going to go ahead and read it. Y'all ready? I know Halloween's over. This is bad. The average credit card debt per household, and this comes from uh, creditcards.com, uh... Average credit card debt per household with credit card debt is fifteen thousand nine hundred or seven hundred ninety nine dollars. There are six hundred and nine point eight million credit cards in the U.S. That's almost twice as many as we've got people. Jeff, what, what do I need to do? You, you take this and you cut it like that, okay? And then you put it on the floor and you do a drop kick on it, and you pick it up and you give it a, give it a right and a straight, and then you burn it, and then you send it off somewhere, okay? Cut up the credit cards. Amen. You know, what, what if I got to travel? If you're in deep debt, you don't need to travel until you get out of debt. What's I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just this is this is practical biblical proverbs. If you're in the hole, barely able to make the monthly payments, we're going to have to put the trips off until we get out of debt. Then we can go on a trip. Number four, we have to reject the quote. I deserve this mentality. Okay, we've got to get out of the thinking that because I've worked, therefore I get to put myself into debt. No, 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 no. Because we work and through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can get out of debt, then we can get something that we want. Uh, number, number five here, adopt a cash-only policy. This is old school, all right? Some of our old-timers, you work on this. That's the reason why you're fi- financially secure. If you don't have the money for it, you don't what? Don't buy it. Now, hold on. Hold on. I've got a credit card. No, no, you don't. Not anymore. Not after point number five. Cut up. But serious. It, it, and and what's, so, what's so awesome is if you adopt this cash-only policy and you save up, if you want something, once you buy it, it's yours. How cool is that? Then whenever, whenever you're using it, you don't have to be stressing thinking about how you're going to pay for it. And that comes straight from the Bible. It's awesome. Uh, next is to think in terms of, quote, total, total cost. Versus managed monthly payments. Our culture says, how much does it cost? And we think monthly payments. Reject that and say, how much is the total cost? Finally, think in finances in terms of your calling. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, to go into all the world and to make disciples of every nation, which means every people group. And what's so cool, you see, man, Jeff, bro, I am so deep in the hole, I cannot even see the light of day when there's not a cloud in the sky. I promise you, based upon the integrity and the truthfulness of the Word of God, and once again, check out Andy Stanley, check out Dave Ramsey, man, you can get out of debt. It is possible. But a lot of times it's going to take some sacrifices. But at the end of the day, whether you're single or you're a family, you will be able to glorify God and to say, you know what, I gave when the culture told me I should keep. I was in debt for my car and for this and for that. But now I'm out of debt to the glory of God and I'm able, if God tells me, to give. And by the way, I'll give mine next week. I'm still praying about how much to give to international missions. Uh, If God impresses upon me to give a sizable gift, I can do it because He's helped me to get out of debt because it's an amazingly free thing to not have to owe for things that we don't really need. And Jesus says, I came to make you free and to make you free indeed. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes as we come to this time of invitation. If you are here and thinking, well, Jeff, you know that I may have some financial issues or I may be doing okay. But my issue is that I know that I need Christ in my life. I have sinned. I carry around guilt. It's not that I carry around debt. Or even if I do, it seems like my guilt so far outweighs my debt. And I need to be, I need God in my life. For you right now, just say, tell him, say, God, would you forgive me? Say, Jesus, save my soul. Just give your life to him right now. Just ask him to save you. And he tells us in his word that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We're going to stand and sing in here just a few moments. We're going to give you a chance to get up out of your seat and come down. And and in doing that, you're letting everybody know and you're letting the Lord know, I'm ready to live for you and I'm ready to stand up for you. If you need to be baptized or join this church, if you know that the Lord is drawing you to do that, please don't push Him off anymore. We ask you to come. If you need to come and pray for people or pray that the Lord would use you, You need to come and pray for a friend or family member who's in deep debt. You do that. If you're here and God has allowed you to be free financially and you've got what you need, and God has brought someone to your mind that you can help, the invitation for you is just in the quietness of your heart to resolve between you and the Lord. Say, Lord, when I go home today or on Monday, I'll write the check. I will meet the need. I will be there. I will be a lifesaver for that person because you've allowed me to be freed from greed. Father, We want to give this time to You and ask that You would be glorified for all the people who need to make decisions or commitments, whatever they are. Would You give them the courage to get up and to come and to follow You? In Jesus' name, Amen.